Larnaca Cyprus was founded by one of Noah's grandsons. It's ancient church history. An ancient city. It's the longest continually occupied city in the world. Other cities have been destroyed and rebuilt. This city has constantly had someone living in it for since the time it was uh, it was founded. So a long time. But thank you, she's for Christ. We now have a car and we can go to the occupied side of the country. And I did say occupied because in 1974, Turkey invaded Cyprus and took the top third of the country. So we have Turkish Muslims to the north. We have Greek Orthodox in the south. It's like being in two separate countries. A country that's about half the size of Connecticut. 1.3 million people and one church were the very first resident missionaries appointed to the country of Cyprus by the United Pentecostal Church. And we're believing that God is doing some great and great and mighty things. Hallelujah. I could get up here and tell you a lot of things, but I do have a video that's going to take about six years and smash it into six minutes. Is that okay? After that, maybe just a couple answers, questions that you might have that... That I like to get questions from you because I want you to ask those questions. I can get up here and just give you all the statistics about Cyprus and all of that. But how about you ask some questions? Would that be okay? Amen. So let's watch this video. meeting 
little pergola type thing. And they brought their lunch, their Bibles, and um, a little guitar, and they started singing. But unbeknownst to them, in the corner sat a woman who was watching them. And afterwards, she came over and wanted to meet them, and they introduced themselves. And she says, now I want to meet the gentleman that came up behind you, the sixth person. And they told her, "There's it's just the five of us. There's not six. And she says, no, there's six. Because as you prayed, a, a large gentleman walked up and he wrapped his arms around all of you. And as Sister Sheila was telling us this story, she told me, she says, Dad, that was just confirmation for me that God keeps his promises, that we're going to have a church in Cyprus and that he was going to be with us. And we had one gentleman tell us not long ago, he said, there's something different. He said, this is religion, this is tradition, but you are Jesus people. And there's nothing greater in the world to be known as than a Jesus people. So I'm excited. I'm thankful to be a part of what he's doing in this country. I love him with all my heart. These people are precious. And they're your brothers and sisters. And I'm excited that to know that one day, when we all get to heaven, that there will be Cypriots worshiping with you because of your sacrifice. They struggled for a while in this foreign land. But with those original five, the Lord has blessed immensely. Seeing the harvest come in many different shapes, sizes, and colors. After outgrowing their old building, a new location was secured at one of the busiest intersections in the city of Larnaca. Our original building was a small building that could only hold about 21 chairs. We've had that packed out several times. God has now given us a building that we have 47 chairs in it right now. We have the possibility of not only buying the, the flat that the church is in, but also the complete building, which has three floors. God is moving in such a tremendous way. There's no way we can do this without your help. Please consider helping us in Cyprus. God is going to move in this country. be revival. There's going to be a great revival through the sacrifice and the giving of your church. We ask you to reach this great harvest. We can only do it together. The birthplace of Barnabas, the final resting place of Barnabas, the final resting place of Lazarus. Custom has it that he became the bishop of one of the churches in Larnaca. 
a lot of church history. But throughout history, the truth has gotten diluted. In fact, the gentleman that my wife was talking about that looked at us and said that we were Jesus people. About six months after he told me that, I realized that he was one of the priests in the Greek Orthodox Church that he pointed at and told me. He said, that's religion. That's tradition. Later, he told me, he said, we made a mistake. He pointed back at the church that, he, that he's one of the priests in. He said, we've made a mistake. I said, what do you mean, Leon? He said, nowhere in the Bible does it say to baptize children, but we do. He said, we need to get back to what the apostles taught. We need to get back to what the scriptures say. How vital is it today to find the truth and buy into the truth? When you buy into the truth, it costs you something. Because there's going to be people around you that are going to say, you don't have to go that far. You don't have to do that that far. But when the truth dictates it, you've got to be ready to say, no, 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 no. I know what it says and I believe what it says with all my heart. And I'm going to do what it says. Hallelujah. Sorry about that. Got off on a soapbox. Hallelujah. Any questions about Cyprus? Yes. What languages are spoken there? There's actually three different languages that are dominant languages in Cyprus. It's going to be Greek, Turk, and English. In 1968, Britain gave Cyprus back to the, to the people of Cyprus. It was a British colony for a while. I'm finding out that they don't speak Greek. Because it's a dialect of Greek that they speak. It's an unwritten, unlearned language in schools. When you go to school, they teach Greek. They teach you everything about Greek. But when you go to the street, it's the Cypriot language. We went to class to learn Greek. We were learning Greek pretty good. Then you get in the streets and they said, no, that's the wrong word. Then you go back to Greek class and they said, that's the wrong word. So we were so confused. It was crazy. But I'm also finding out, even though in 1968, you know, there's still a lot of, uh, of uh, British people that are there. We don't speak English. We speak American. That's a big difference. When your French fries are called chips and your chips are called crisps and your cookies are called biscuits and your biscuits are called scones and your car has a boot and a bonnet. <laughs> we don't speak English, we speak American. Yes. 1.3 million. Any questions? Any more? It's okay. Predominant religion in the southern part is going to be Greek Orthodox. Once you cross the green zone, and you, when you cross the green zone, you have to show a passport. It's got buffer zones there, everything. It's a large UN presence right through the middle of the country. In fact, we're the last divided capital in the world. That green zone goes right through the capital of the country. And when you go to the past that, it's Muslim. 
when we're in that little bitty area, 140 miles long and 60 miles wide at its widest point, it's like being in two completely separate countries. Yes, ma'am. We are considered the third safest country in the world. There. Not here. Not here. My wife, she wakes up sometimes 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. She decides to go walk the dog. Guess what? She puts the leash on. She walks the dog at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning in the village that we live in. Now, there's certain areas that you're not going to go. But we are considered the third safest country in the world. Now, that's, that's on the southern side. Now, the other side is a little bit different. My wife feels very uncomfortable on that side. Um, and being in the Middle East, you have to realize the culture that's there. Um, women are considered second-class citizens, if a citizen at all. They're more or less like um, objects. Property. So when they see me walking down the street holding my wife's hand, they kind of look at me a little strange, but I don't care. Yes. The left. Uh, yes, there are some Jamaicans. We, we actually had one in our church. So, you know, it's, and when, it, when it's like, she's like, we're from Jamaican man. So, yes, it's going to be the euro. It, Cyprus is, well, the southern part is um, part of the European Union, the EU. The northern part, they use the Turkish lira. Yes. I'm very comfortable living there. We arrived there in 2008. We stayed there under the AIM program, which is volunteering, for two years. And we went back as resident missionaries in January of 2015. And we were there for four years. Getting ready to go back and we're excited. We're, we're wanting, I mean, God is, about three weeks ago, three people got baptized in Jesus' name. The next week, two people got the Holy Ghost. So we're growing. God is doing some awesome things. It's it's very broad. A registered nurse, we know one. She's a single mom. She makes 800 euros a month. That's like about $1,000 a month. She's a single mom with three kids. But then a lot of them that are there, what they do is they go to college in other countries, such as England, uh, Canada, the U.S., so when they get to those places, they'll stay a little while and they'll work. And when they come back, they're driving the Lamborghinis and the Rolls Royce and the Maseratis. So you have a very diverse population with, with economic situation, as well as the environment itself. Around the country, it's, you know, it's, it's an island, so we're all at sea level. But we have a mountain that's at 6,000 feet in elevation. 
So in the wintertime, we can get 15 feet of snow in the mountain. They go snow skiing. <laughs> yes. Uh, national food of choice. It's, it's pretty well blended. Um, it's more Mediterranean style or Greek style, if you're familiar with the Greek style. Um, pasticcio, moussaka, souvlaki, euros, that kind of thing. A lot of vegetables. Not they, When you get to the locals, they don't eat a lot of meat. They more or less eat a lot of vegetables and beans and stuff like that. Um, and the reason why is beef, it's, it's horrible. It is bad. I mean, I would rather boil my shoe and eat it. I mean, it's terrible. Um, and when they do import beef in, it's at 37 euros a kilo. That's going to put it at about 17 to $18 a pound for meat, for beef. So guess what? I don't get beef. Um, they do have a McDonald's and a Burger King there, so every now and then I'll swing in and get a, a burger, and that's, that's cheaper. Um, but a lot of fresh vegetables, a lot of fresh vegetables. Yes? When, when we're there, we're there alone. It's just me and my wife. Um, before this past time, my daughter was with us, um, and she's going to be staying stateside this time so we're just going to be going by ourselves it does it does get a little lonely whenever we want to fellowship with anybody pastor we have to fly out so yes well in 2002 we we were aiming in greece in athens and we were there for a year in greece we had to renew our visa Every three months because we were on a passport visa. So we didn't have very many choices to go and renew the visa. So we chose Cyprus. And the, pat, the, the missionary that I was assisting at that time, on the way out the door, he said, "You, Stefan, you have to remember there's no missionary there. There's no representative of the truth there. There's never been a United Pentecostal resident missionary there. So well, I'm like going, okay. As soon as I we get down and I put my feet on the ground, God just smotes me right here in the heart. And I'm going, oh, God, I'm supposed to be here. You know how that happens, Pastor. You're just like, okay, God, you're just like overwhelming me with this sensation. I look at my wife and I said, honey, there's no church here. She said, don't think about it. <laughs> she said, God has us in Greece. Well, we had to renew our visa again. So guess where we went? We went back to Cyprus again. And as soon as I hit in the ground, I'm going, oh, God, here it is again. I'm feeling this heavy and I'm, I'm tears are rolling down my face. And I said, honey, she said, we're never going to go to a Muslim country. God's sense of humor is like, yeah, watch this. Now, I believe that when you marry, you become one flesh. OK, that's what the scripture says. And I believe that if God calls me, he's going to work on her to get her to feel the same call. And if God starts talking with her, she's going to talk to me a little bit and I'm going to begin to pray and I'm going to start seeking. And I'm going to, you start feeling sometimes the same thing because God is going to direct you as a unit together to do what he wants you to do. God doesn't divide to conquer. If, and I don't mean anything military type style. God's going to work to, as a couple together to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So that's how that happened. 
So now, now God's sense of humor is like, watch this. You started dealing with her, and now she calls it home. So God worked on her. Yes, sir. Amen. One more question. Anybody? Praise God. Um, my wife said something about relationships. You know, living for God is, is about a relationship. It's about a relationship with him. I mean, Pastor, we, I know, you know, apostolic teaching, the apostolic doctrine, the, the apostles' doctrine. We know the plan of salvation, the beginning plan of salvation. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in tongues. We got that down. But if we're not careful, what happens is we forget about the relationship afterwards. You know, we go, oh, I'm saved. And we walk out the door and we think, everything is great. Everything is wonderful. But the thing about it is, if we're not careful, we will forget about the relationship that we need to have with God. Now, it's hard to explain many times about that relationship with God. Because He is so much higher than we are. His ways are so much more complicated than ours. The scripture even says, as high as the heaven is from the earth, he's different than us. Do you agree? So the only way we can explain it is in terms of that we can understand. When I was dating my wife, she lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and I lived in Savannah, Georgia. Eight-hour drive away. I didn't get to go see her very often, but when I did go get to see her, I would drive all the way up there, and one time I had a purple shirt on. I got out of the car. She went, oh, Stefan, I love that shirt on you. That's all it took, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, I wore that shirt every time I went up there. And this, she probably got sick of it because she thought that was the only shirt I owned. Why did I do that? Is because she said she liked it. And it was about building a relationship with her. Another time I went up there and I bought some new cologne. I thought she was going to like it. I drove all the way up there and I sprayed it on me before I got out of the car. And I got out and the first thing she did was, what is that? She, I said, it's new cologne. She says, I know. And she said, what kind? Well, I told her what kind it was. And then she went, you smell like my dad. That did not go over very well. Because I was trying to build a relationship with her. I didn't want to smell like dead. So just as I kept the purple shirt. Oh, I love that purple shirt, bro. I threw the cologne away. Because I didn't want that thing. And you're probably looking at me and saying, what's cologne and perfume or, or a purple shirt and cologne have to do with a relationship with God? It's this. That many times God is going to talk to you on a personal level. Based on the scripture of things that he wants you to do. And nobody else around you is going to be doing it. Are you willing to have that relationship with God 
to say because it's about a vertical relationship with him. Everybody's concerned about our horizontal relationships, aren't they? Everybody wants this perfect. But this they don't even they're not even concerned about. They don't think about God and they don't care about God. In fact, they want to take God out of every single thing we do. But yet they want this on a very calm and even level when you can't do it because the vertical relationship is out. See, even even the cologne, there's certain things that God's going to look at you and say, I don't want you to do those things. And they're not wrong. They're not sinful. But he wants you to step up a little bit more. Now, in Cyprus, I'm build, I build a lot of relationships. Because we're, we're, it's our, Pastor, it's only our first term. So we went there. We're trying to build relationships with people, try to get to know people, try to get to know their culture, try to know them. I'm not trying to Americanize them. I'm trying to, to, to bring salvation to them. So I need to know what they are, what their type of people they are. They drink a lot of coffee. So, brother, I'm at a coffee shop almost every day. I like coffee. Well, I've learned to like coffee more and more. But see, some people are convicted and they don't drink coffee. Because God has spoken to them and said, stop drinking it. I've had I've been I sat down here in the states and said let's go get some coffee and they said I don't drink coffee. I said is it that you don't like it? He said no I just convicted over it. I don't drink it. I said would you like to get a cup of tea or something with me? I'm not going to condemn them because they don't drink coffee. But if we're not careful, what we do is we do that to people because you know why we're intimidated. To be totally honest with you, we're intimidated about the walk that they have with God, that they're so committed that they will make a stand. It's not wrong. And doesn't say anything about the, in the scripture about not drinking coffee. But it does say that whatever we take into our body, we need to make sure that's good and holy and proper. You know, too much sugar is bad for the body. You know, it doesn't say anything about, you know, you know, thou shalt not eat sugar. It's not. I, have you found that in the scripture, brother? But it does say our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we need to make sure that what we do consume, it's in moderation. You know, if all you do is eat cake, you're going to get sugar diabetes. You're going to. You know, you're going to get sick. You're not going to eat. You know, your, your body's not going to function right. And then what, what happens is when we get sick, oh, God, heal me. I kind of scratch my head over that one. Yeah. Because we eat wrong. We do wrong things. You know, how to live another soapbox. See, I just went on a, on a squirrel moment there, just kind of way out there. But see, the thing about it is, too, is that we are the body of Christ. The scripture says in Ephesians that. Ephesians chapter four. For whom the whole body is fitly framed together and compacted by which every joint supplieth. 
Yes, we are joined together. In Ephesians 2, it says, And build upon the foundation and the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple. That's talking about the body, the church. We are supposed to work as a unit together. Now, in Cyprus, it's, it can get quite warm. Um, in the summertime, we'll have a day or two that may get to 125, possibly 130. It's very rare, but it may get there. You know, average is about 115, 118 in the summer. So we, we don't get out a whole lot in the middle of the daytime. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm white. And, you know, the sun shines on me and I'm, I'm going to get I get sunburnt. In fact, I've got some a couple spots that came up and, you know, I've got to be careful. Cancer can, can get you. So I'm very careful. I don't get out very often. I, I'll burn easy. So I don't get out very often. I try to find things to do inside the house. And my daughter and I, we put some puzzles together. Anybody do puzzles? You like puzzles? Yeah. Those that put puzzles together, let me tell you something. It's very, very vital. It's very important. It's one of the most important things, I think, in, in my life that has impacted me. Puzzles do not like fans. No, they don't like fans. Because, see, I had that puzzle all out on the table in pieces, just all just right, and I turned the fan on. Guess what happened? Pieces were flying off the table. They ended up in the dog dish. They ended up in my, in my shoes. Had my shoes sitting off to the side. They were everywhere. But I also found out, too, that when the puzzle was completely put together, fitly framed together, you could take the fan and you could put it right on top of it if it wasn't going to move. Pastor, I found out a long time ago when you start seeing people in the church want to isolate themselves off and stay away from the group a little bit. You have to be careful because more the majority of the time when a trial comes through their life. They're going to get blown away. They're going to get blown away. They're just going to lose it. Because they're not. Fitly framed together. Now we do have to remember. The scripture even talks about in the Old Testament. The Tower of Babel. Remember that story about the Tower of Babel? That they all had one language. And God himself said. I have to cause a diversion. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. I have to cause a diversion. Because they're of one mind. And nothing will stop them. See, if you're unified, nothing can stop you. You want your church to grow? You want to reach Hamilton? Unified. Being unified, saying, God, I want to reach out and I want to spread the truth of the gospel around this community. And I want people to know what your word says. When you began to do that, guess what happens? You began to interlink with one another. There's been some people, I'm sure, that come in from the world and the world will treat you bad. You know, I don't have to be a prophet to say that. The world will treat you bad. Now, there's a southern term that, I, that I've, I've used, I've heard for a long time. I mean, I was raised way down in south Louisiana, below New Orleans, way down there. 
Down there, they talk like this all the time. They have their own language down there. It's a mix of the French and the Spanish and the Cajun when I was down there. So, where was I? Down in, I was down in Louisiana. That's never happened to you, has it, Pastor? You're a good guy. Fitly framed together, working together, being unified. And down in the south, there's a word called cattywampus. You've heard the word. Anybody else heard cattywampus? You know what cattywampus means? It doesn't function. It doesn't work. It's messed up. It just, it's kind of broken. It's just taking a two by four that's supposed to be straight and it's all twisted. That two-by-four is cattywampus. So everybody learned a new word tonight. Cattywampus. It's all, it's just, it's just messed up. It's just, it doesn't work. See, and the thing about it is the world will make you cattywampus. The world would disfigure you and you can't function properly because the world will treat you so bad. It will. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together? It looks like the baby got a hold of it and chewed the pieces. The piece that you were trying to put together that the baby got a hold of. Guess what? It's cattywampus. It won't even fit in. Even though you know that piece should fit right there, it doesn't fit. Because the edges are all messed up. I'm here today to tell you, if you feel like your edges are all messed up, Because you're a piece of a puzzle. You're a piece of the puzzle. Everybody is. And if you just feel like you're all messed up. And you're all disfigured. Maybe you even feel like you're cattywampus. I'm here today to tell you that God can change you. Because when you, turn, when you turn your life over to Him and you say, God, I need something more than what I have. I've had the Holy Ghost for over 40 years. And every day, God, I need more. You never, you should never stop desiring more from God. Ever. Because it's about building that relationship. You know, if it was almost 30 years ago that my wife and I got married. And to be honest with you, if I looked at her on day one and said, I love you, and I never said it again, she'd worry. She'd be concerned. You know, and we'd probably go to counseling and pastor would look at us and say, well, what's the deal? And she'd say, he never says he loves me. And I would probably look at her and say, well, if I told her I loved her once and if I need, you know, If I change my mind, I'll let her know. That doesn't work. 
It doesn't work. It's building relationships. It's working. It's constantly working on the relationship that you have, that you desire. And it's the same thing with God, working on the relationship that you have with Him. The Scripture says that when you come down and you begin to repent, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That once disfigured peace that you were, that cattywampus peace, that disfigured, unusable feel that you had, God can take that away and make you feel like you can fit into something again. Because that's the way He is. Let's stand together. There's a particular tree. Have, you, have anybody ever heard of a bonsai? It's is it is it a small tree, a tiny tree, a pygmy tree, what? a dwarf tree? No, it's not actually a dwarf tree. You know what it is? It's manipulated. The tree is actually manipulated. You can take a full-grown pine tree, take a seed, put it in the dirt. You bind the roots. It's called root-bound. You trim it. It can only grow this high because the root system is not large enough to contain anything else. See, your relationship with God is not based on your surroundings. It shouldn't be based on what the world thinks you should be. Because you know something? The world thinks a Christian should only be six inches tall. Oh, you're a perfect Christian. You're a great example of godliness and holiness. And you're only six inches tall. I'm not talking about physically. I think you know that. It's spiritually. How tall are you? That relationship with God will let you realize that I cannot bind my roots. I must let my roots grow in Him. Studying the Word. Having a relationship with Him. Pastor, will break that little bitty pot that that bonsai is planted in. That little six inch tree that you are can be, can be, can be broken and can be replanted into a larger pot. And as soon as you plant that little bitty six inch bonsai tree into a larger pot, you know what happens to it? All of a sudden, it starts shooting up to where it's about 24 inches tall. Why? Because now it has a larger root system. How deep are your roots in God? It's based on a relationship with Him. How strong do you want to be in Him? How strong do you want to be in Him? In Jeremiah 17, verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. 
my mind even goes to the parable that Jesus was talking about, about the sower. Remember the seeds that were sown? There were some that were planted on shallow ground that as soon as the heat came, they were dried up and gone away because the root system wasn't there. We have to make sure, Pastor, that our root system is set up, that our roots go way down deep into the aquifer of God and that we're able to be fed from his word and from what he has for us. Because when we let our root system grow and when our relationship with him is deep in him, guess what? We are no longer 24 inches tall, but we become 25, 30 feet tall and we are a great a great example of godliness. And holiness to our community. Not to look at people and say, look at me. I'm a great and mighty Christian. But what you want to do is you want to look around and say, you can be great in God too. You want to encourage people to let their roots grow deeper. Come on. Don't slack on God. Because you can slack on a lot of things, but don't slack on God. Don't slack in your relationship with Him because He loves you. He loves you. My girls go to a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, I just keep going on. I'm almost, I'm almost done. This is the last one. My girls go to church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. When I first went there to visit to see how they were doing... Brother, somebody came up to me, and they, I thought they knew me because they came up with a coffee cup. And they handed this mug to me, and there was an inscription on the coffee cup. And they looked at me straight in the eyes, and they said the exact same thing that was on the coffee cup, and it was, hey, you matter. Every single individual matters in the kingdom of God. Every single soul It doesn't matter where we're from, who we are. I'm sure you've been walking through Walmart and you come around the corner and there's this little lady grabbing out the frozen green beans and you're saying, oh, yeah, she matters. You see the guy that's sitting there in the little electric scooter running down through the aisle and you're jumping out the way because he's running so fast. He matters. You cut around the corner and it's like, whoa, he's kind of scary. I'll go around the other aisle. I don't, I don't want to, I'll let him finish what he's doing before I go back, even though I know what I need on that aisle because he's kind of scary. You know something? He matters to God. Every single soul matters. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. Your relationship with God. Why don't we just raise our hands? Begin to pray. God, I want my relationship with you to grow. God, my relationship with you needs to be deep. My walk with you, dear God, my root system, my root structure needs to be strong in you. I don't need to just be a little bitty small bonsai tree and just be satisfied with that. But God, I want to be a great mighty oak for you. God, I want to be an example of what you can do to suffer somebody that has nothing. 
God, I am a nobody. I was raised in South Louisiana. My dad worked in the oil industry. I didn't have a college education that amounted to a whole lot. I went to Bible school. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a, a Ph.D., God, but I'm something for you. God, I just want to grow in you. God, I never want to stop being what you want me to be. Is that where you are today? God, I need to make a step out. I need to do something. I need to change myself. I need to look at myself in the mirror and say, God, am I what you want me to be? Because it's not based on your friends. It's not based on your peers. If we compare ourselves with ourselves, we will fall. We need to compare ourselves with Him. And say, God, I'm ready to make a step further. And I'm not saying that you've backslid and I'm not saying that you're wrong. What I'm saying is we just need a little bit deeper relationship with Him. Because that's what He is. And He desires us to have a better relationship with Him. Let's raise our hands again in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you feel like you would like to make that dedication, how about just come up to the front area here? We'd love to pray for you. In the name of Jesus. Maybe where you are, maybe where you are, just raise your hand. Maybe, maybe just tap somebody. Would you pray for me? I want a deeper relationship with God. Tap them on the shoulder. God, I, I want something stronger than what I have. I want a deeper relationship with you, God. If it's that purple shirt that God's been talking to you about, if it's that cologne that God's been talking with you about, and you know I'm not talking about a shirt or cologne. You know what God is dealing with you about. God, I'm willing. I'll make that step. I'll make that commitment. I'll do what you want me to do, Almighty God. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes.
Yes, yes. It's okay. What, this is the presence of God. Sometimes you have to wait on God. In the wintertime when all the leaves are off the trees, you know what's happened down below? The roots are growing deeper to take the spring growth when it comes in. It's okay. Yes. God, my relationship with you is important, God, and I desire something from you. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. How about just reach over and start praying with people? Pray with your neighbor. Yes, it's okay. In Jesus' name.